it doesn't matter how many times we sing that song. When you think of the foundation of it, that from dust, God created man. Awesome. Awesome. God created man. Awesome. Man. From dust. Awesome. King. Held time. And made time go forward. To turn water into wine at Canaan of Galilee. Awesome. Defying gravity. That he was able to walk. On water. Awesome. Took five loaves, two small fish, fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. Awesome. Defined death when he got up out of the ground early on a Sunday morning. Awesome. And then somebody had the fortitude to pin that he took dust yes, sir. and made men. Yes, That's enough just to have Troy to come back Amen. and yeah. give the invitation. And, and, and if you're not in Christ, you should just come up. Yes, we serve an awesome God. Good morning. Sister Hope, we're praying for you. Brother Lucas, Sister Hope, God is still God. And long as he is God, we got a chance. If you're here this morning, you're not a member of the Lord family, we just say welcome. We're happy you're here. If you're here from another congregation of the Lord's people, we say welcome. You at a place where we believe the Bible is right and God Put the Bible in our hand to make us a better person. Those of us who labor here at the East Baltimore Congregation, it is so good to see you. I don't know who said that that, with that thing that sees shadow, that groundhog, the groundhog did not see. It's shadow because it's 29 degrees. Andre, I went and cut my grass yesterday, and every spot on my body is aching. My wife said, you're getting too old to cut the grass. And I constantly tell her, no, I'm not. But I'm finding out. (laughs) She's smarter than... Mm, mm, mm. So I don't know how long I'm going to be here this morning, but I'm going to give you what I can. And if 
You don't understand, I'll sit down and give you the rest. Is that all right? <laughs> so good to see you. Thank you, Brother Franklin. Thank you, Brother Veer. I told the Wednesday class, I, I've been studying Romans. So when I study Romans, <laughs> you're going to get Romans. As long as I'm studying Romans, you're going to get Romans. All right. Romans chapter 4. Passage that Brother Bill read into our hearing. Listen to what the apostle says. The, I'm going to, I'm going to start at 16. Therefore, it is of faith that is might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith, of the faith of Abraham, who is father of all of us. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believe in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred year old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. I want to talk to you about that. And I want to talk to you from the subject, faith that worketh in my crises. Faith that worketh in my crisis. I, I believe that all of us have faith. I believe that we love or we do more with our faith when everything is going well in our lives. We say that we believe and we have faith, but the question this morning, how is your faith in the middle of your crisis? when the world is falling down all around you, when everything that is not is coming up that is not nailed down, when everyone turned their back on you, how is your faith then? See, when life is going well, 
We all can say, I believe in God. But when the time comes, when, when, when the world falls on you, where is your faith? The apostle says, I am debted to the Greek and to the barbarian, to the wise and to the unwise. For as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for there is the righteousness of God revealed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. And in him writing this letter to those Jews at Rome, they had a problem with it. How do you know that? Because in chapter 10 he said, brother in my heart desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might have a zeal for God, but what? Not according to righteousness. See, the problem is man has a problem with God when it comes to righteousness. Chapter 1, he says that the Gentiles were guilty. Chapter 2, he told the Greek, the Jews, you got the law and you guilty. So then in chapter 3, he said, none of you got the right to boast. And then he comes in chapter 4, and he says that when you understand the righteousness of God, it's through faith. And so what he does with chapter 4, he said, I'm going to give you something that you are familiar with. So what does he do? He brings in Abraham. Someone where all of the Jews are familiar with. And he says that Abraham was justified by faith and faith only. Abraham became righteous because of his belief and not of just what he believed. He said Abraham believed in God. So this morning, I want us to just look at, at the text, and I want you to figure out how do you respond? How is your faith in the middle of your crisis? Because what, what, what the apostle does here, Brother Worley, he goes back to Genesis chapter 17. And, he, and in Genesis chapter 17, God had made a covenant with Abraham. And God says unto Abraham, I am going to make a covenant with you. And the covenant will I, that I make with you will be between you and your seed. The covenant that I make with you, I'm going to make this covenant because of your belief. So then he says to Abraham, you are going to have a son. And the Bible said Abraham laughed. And then he went to Sarah. Abraham went to Sarah, and Abraham said, God is going to bless us with a son. 
and Sarah laughed. And you say, well, why is that so strange? Well, Abraham, the Bible said, was almost a hundred years old. And Sarah was 90 years old. So now watch what Paul does. Paul brings this back to the forefront. That God says to Abraham, you are going to have a son. And from your seed will I make this covenant. What's the covenant? The covenant that God made with Abraham was that on the eighth day, every male child shall be circumcised. Abraham had favor in and out of circumcision. But now watch God. When God makes a covenant with you, he's not asking you for your help. I think I said something. I, I, I think I said something. When God makes a covenant with you, and when God makes a covenant with me, God is not asking us for our help. And that's exactly where Paul was in this message. You remember when Abraham told Sarah, that God is going to bless his, your seed with a child. Well, what did Sarah decide to do? Sarah decided that she would help God send in one of the servants. The servant got pregnant. The servant had a child named Ishmael. Y'all remember this story? I'm not making this up. I, I took you to Genesis 17. This is in there. See, what did Sarah try to do? Sarah tried to help God. But watch what God said. God said, I am going to bless Ishmael. But Ishmael is not as much as you tried to help me. I don't need your help in this. Since you brought Ishmael in, I'm going to bless Ishmael, but Ishmael is not the one. Well, God, how are we going to have a child? I'm almost a hundred, and Sarah is 90 years old. This is what Paul was talking about. Paul, when Paul said Abraham was dead, he wasn't talking about Abraham's physical death. He was talking about Abraham's sexuality. Was, he was dead. Sarah's womb was dead. Could not have a child. And that is true when it comes to man. But when it comes to God, Sarah's. Sarah, we go have a child. Who told you that? Not me. God said it. Sarah laughed. Abraham, I believe everything you said up to this point. 
But what you talking about now, that don't make no sense whatsoever. But God. But God. So, so watch, what, watch what Abraham does. Abraham goes through with the covenant that God made. And now, by this time, Ishmael had been 15 years old. But the covenant that God made with Abraham did not have an age limit. Just stick with me. I'm going somewhere this morning. Because, see, sometimes we, we... when, when, when we become knowledgeable of God's word, we need to understand why God gave us the word. See, God just didn't have nothing to do one day and decide he would just blatter out some thing. When God tells us something, there's a message there. And what God is trying to help us to see through Abraham, it doesn't matter how old you are. When I said something is going to happen, it is going to happen. So God put in this, I want you to circumcise the baby every, on the eighth day, So then Abraham must have said to himself, does that apply to me? That's a good question. So watch Abraham. At 99 years old, the covenant that God made with him applies to every male. Under the Jewish faith under the dispensation of the law. Now, because, see, I don't want you to go out there and say, well, I'm not circumcised, but I'm 70, and I'm, that wasn't for you and me. Yeah. Yeah, today they circumcise baby males for health reasons. But when God said it, it was spiritual reason. And it was that one will have faith. Because I, I, I was looking at this text the other day, uh, Henry, and I said, well, what purpose does it serve? Being 99 and being circumcised. Isn't that a good question? What, what, what purpose? I don't know. God said it. If God said it, who am I to try to figure out why? Abraham didn't have a problem with it. So what Abraham did, Abraham circumcised himself at 90 and then turned around and circumcised Ishmael. And through all of that, Ishmael was not the promised Then Abraham prayed to God. And I believe because Abraham prayed to God, 
and Sarah had faith in Abraham. She consented. Whatever God plans to do, it is all right with me. Yeah. And, and, and you know one thing else? I, I, I'm looking at this text. It didn't seem to bother Abraham nor Sarah what the neighbor's thought was. Yeah. You know how we get. You know, son, so no, she ain't pregnant. That girl got to be close to 40. What that old woman doing talking about having a child? They didn't think about what the neighbors would have thought. Brothers and sisters, when we confess Jesus as Lord in our lives, we can't worry about what the neighbors think. We can't do what the neighbors do. You know, I, I would do this, but I, I can't because I made a confession. See, what Abraham, God promised Abraham something based on Abraham's faith. And when God promised you something, God's going to deliver. God is going to deliver. So in the midst of Sarah trying to help God, she give him Ishmael. But Ishmael wasn't the seed of promise. But there's no doubt in my mind Ishmael would benefit from the result of the promised seed. So then when God made this, this covenant with Abraham, and when Sarah conceived and had Isaac, that's the promised seed. And now watch God. The Bible says, I'm, I'm, I'm up to about Genesis 18 now. The Bible says that Abraham loved Isaac. Now, but in Abraham's love for Isaac, God had to show Abraham, I'm still God. I am still God. And Abraham, in the middle of the crisis, never lost faith. The Bible said he glorified God more in his faith. Watch, watch God. God, from the time Isaac was born, up until the time Isaac was to take his first trip to the altar on the mountaintop. All the time that Isaac was growing up, Isaac understood what sacrifice, sacrifice was all about. But Isaac did not have the faith in God that Abraham had. How do you know that, Brother Fred? Because that's what the text said. Abraham and Abraham alone receive justification by faith. And the Bible call that impute righteousness. Now, let me just tell you something about impute righteousness since I brought that word up. 
impute righteousness is that you receiving something that you don't deserve to have. Now, how many of us in here have impute righteousness? Everybody should be raising hand, feeding everything, because none of us deserve what God has given unto us thus far in our lives. So now, in Genesis, the 22nd chapter, when Abraham took Isaac up on this mountain to be sacrificed because God told him to do it. Isaac says, I see the altar. I see the wood. I see all of the stuff for the sacrifice. He said, but where? <laughs> Something missing. I know what sacrifice is about. Where is the sacrifice? Abraham, God will provide. See, it's not up to us to see what God is going to do. It is up to us to accept what God is going to do. Because so many times, well, I need to see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And he said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seeks him. So now watch. After all that Abraham had done in offering up Isaac and all of that, Paul writes this letter to the church at Rome and said, Abraham done this by faith. But there was a crisis. Everything I was telling you happened, but it was a crisis. Number one, the first crisis was that Sarah didn't think that she was able to have a child. The second crisis was that Abraham knew that God would bless his seed, but he also knew he wasn't able to have a child. The Bible said Sarah's womb was dead, and through all of that, how is my seed going to be blessed if I don't have a seed? You tell me you're going to bless my seed, but I don't have a seed. Every now and then, you just need to trust God and let him provide the seed so he can bless you. 
Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You have to remember what God said when he called you. He said, I'll never leave, nor will I ever forsake you. And sometime in our lives, things are going to happen without us having anything to do with it. But we have to remember the promise that God made when he called us. I will never forsake you, nor will I ever leave you. But let me ask you a question. How is our faith in the midst of our crises? I'm going to tell you. Brother Worley, life can deal you some things that you will swear that you are a child of God with everything until the crises come. And then when the crises come, where do you go from there? On a Saturday morning, I got up and I was praying with my son. On Saturday evening, I went out on midnight Saturday. He was stretched out in the emergency room at Sinai, all within 12 hours. And then faith. See, in the middle, everybody talk about faith until the crises come. I'm walking out of Sinai, and, and a group of this lady talking, I'm a preacher, and I'll pray for your son. The crises will make you lose your faith. She said, come into this room. The crises was greater. The text says that a woman should keep silent, have no authority over the man until the crisis come. <laughs> this is where you are. See, so many times we, I'm, I'm not talking about, no, I'm talking about the preacher. All right. At the time, I wasn't a preacher, but yeah. on the way. She said, I saw you and your wife. She said, I saw your wife bringing your son in, and she was just crying. I'm going to pray for you. When the crises come, the crises are so greater than your faith, you take prayer from anywhere. Why? Because of the crisis. I got to the hospital. My wife said the doctors, he, he had a, a cardiac and they said he might come back or he might not come back. Where is your faith? In the middle of your crises. 
See, I, I just got to Baltimore. Young family. You can't not love. I, I understand what Jesus said. He that loves father and mother, son and daughter, more than me is not worthy of me. And, and so many times, you think that's just theirs because he had nothing to do. So he just writes it. That's there. So when the crisis of this life comes, you, you have to have. Something, where is your faith in the middle of your crises? Brothers and sisters in our lives, we, we get, we, we, we marry sometimes the person that we think that will love us. And sometimes that's the worst person. Because you have to understand when it's, it's tough marrying somebody in the body. And you marry somebody out, they don't think about all they do. We are selfish human beings by nature. And in our crises, see, the Lord will never want you to be in an abusive situation. God, where is your faith? In the middle of your crises, you leave your house to go to work and you come back and the only thing there is the spot where your house was. And you got no place else to, where's your faith? Huh? I hear you. you be I believe. You go to your job and they tell you, we closing down. They give you enough money so you go buy one of these $300,000 $300, house, a $80,000 car. Why? Because we prosper. But then one morning they come and they take all of that away from you. Where is your faith? You put your faith in these companies. They will let you down every time. You put your faith in a man, he will let you down every time. So what Paul decided to do with these Jews, he takes them back to Abraham and shows them that Abraham had faith in spite of the crises. After. We cannot put our faith in ourselves. I don't think nobody let me down more than me. I truly believe that with every fiber in my body. I think every time I try to do the right thing, I let myself down. Why? Because I'm trying to hold up to my standards and not the standards of God. Trust in the Lord with all and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct 
Give a pass. Every time. Every time we decide to move forward, God is there to help us. But God is never asking us for our help. God want to move us forward. But God is not asking us for our help. So many times we think we're going to help God. You know, the only thing that we contribute to our salvation is being a sinner. Uh-oh. I said something else there. Y'all listen to me. The only thing that we contribute to our salvation is being a sinner. What do you mean by that, Brother Frank? What is our nature? <laughs> we, we just being who we are. All we, do, all we are doing is being who we are. And, and understand, because see, when you think that you can live righteous enough that God will give you salvation based on your human righteousness, you're losing the battle. You are losing the battle. So what Paul wanted the Jews at Rome to see is Abraham was justified apart from his righteousness. It's all about God. It's about Jesus. It ain't never been about you and I. It's all about, I told the class, God, God, and God. Amen. It ain't never been about you, yourself, and, and I. It's about God, God, and God. And when we understand it's not about us, then we can understand the fulfillment of the prophecy. What is the fulfillment, Brother Fraser? I'm, I'm happy you asked. The fulfillment of God's prophecy is that an unrighteous man can be found righteous in the eyes of God. That a sinner can be righteous in the eyes of God. And that righteousness does not come from us. That righteousness is because of us. When God decides to make us righteous, he does not look at us. He has to look at himself. He can't look at us and make us righteous. This is what Paul is trying. He said, you Gentiles are guilty. You Jews are guilty. None of you have the ability to be arrogant, but you must have faith if you want God's righteousness. How do God give us his righteousness? He doesn't look at us, Brother Wormley. He look at himself. And when he goes back and look at himself and judge us based on himself, he see love. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. And when you understand that, now, now, and I, I keep, this is this whole letter, and this, and this letter is not, is, is, is not about once saved, always saved. It's not about, uh, it's impute righteousness. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us anyway. And when God decides to give us, and, 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 and now, now don't you do what they did in Romans 5. Or coming out of Romans 5 and the 6, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abide? God forbid. God don't want us to live a sinful life. But brothers and sisters, when you fall, get up. See, so many times we, we, we just believe that when we come out of that water of baptism, we ain't never going to sin again. That is so far from the truth. But what you need, you need that water baptism so when you sin, you can find yourself justified again in Christ. The Bible called it repentance. See, there's some, just some easy words there that if, if we just take God's salvation in it and just use God's salvation, our lives will be great. Every now and then we are going to fall. And sometimes, oh, let me take that word back. All of the time that we fall is our fault. Every time you fall, it's my fault. But you know what? I get up. Because I have impute righteousness. I don't deserve it. I can't buy it. I should not have it. But he give it to me in spite of me. I'm almost done for. So Paul says, let us not wallow in despair. But let us fulfill the promise of God. Now, how can we fulfill the promise of God? God promised that he will save all who come to him. Y'all say, it got to be more than that. Why? Why does it have to be more than that? If God had told us to run and try to jump across the Allegheny Mountain, we'll go crawl up the Allegheny Mountain. Why? Because we think we're doing something. But when God just said, come to me. Come to me. Our play, it got to be more than that. It can't be just, why can't it be? Why? Th- 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 who said it? 
it's written. It don't have to be no more than that. Why would God give us salvation and make it difficult for us to get it? See, God doesn't want us to do, have this condo-minded mentality when it comes to him. Jesus told that woman, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God don't care how physical you are. God want to know where you are mentally. Do you love me? In the middle of our crisis, he want us to have faith because you remember what he told Paul? My grace is sufficient. You think he was telling Paul, I'm going to let you out? No. He's saying, stay right there. When the time comes, I'll move you. So when sometime we need to get in some crisis so we can understand who God is. If God never put you through something, you're never going to appreciate him. You're never going to appreciate him. But God, how long should I stay till I take you out? Well, I'm going to try to help you. I don't want your help. I want you to be obedient. I'll take care of you. And sometime when it's time for God to move us out, we got to move. Don't say, well, I don't know how I'm going to feed these kids of mine. You just trust God. Well, he, he hit me every now and then, but I know he loved me. No, he don't. She not hit, the, hit me with the side of the head with the frying pan. But we love each other. That's not love. You've got to understand. He said, come to me. That's all you got to do. And let him take care of everything else. Whatever your crisis may be, God will get you through your crisis but you have to have faith. The clock says, I got to stop. If you're here this morning, you need Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Believe all with your heart that Christ died for you, that he was buried, rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and we'll baptize you in water for the remission of your sins. And brothers and sisters, those of us are in God's family. We have to believe with all of our, every fiber in our body that God will never forsake or leave us. Sure, life's going to deal us some things, but if we just stay right there, keep your faith in God, everything will be all right. That's enough for one morning. Let's stand up and brother Hines. Yeah,